Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify. Hi guys, uh, welcome to the e-commerce growth show. Um, we're into uh, fifth vlog. This is now of the third series of the show. And this is all about showcasing customers in various different ways, actually. Some of them obviously very directly talking about Segmentify, others like today actually talking about much more kind of a broad uh, broad area spectrum in terms of e-commerce and um, solutions and growth and so on. And uh, so this particular um, episode, I'm talking to a guy called Abe Rossiter. So Abe is uh, currently e-commerce manager of a brand a company of ours, a client of ours called uh, Scottsdale Golf. Uh, he's based in Manchester. And uh, actually, he's managed to carve some time out in the middle of uh, year end, which is which is awesome. But um, he's he's actually from a, an accountancy background for uh, five plus years. But uh, he decided to transition into the world of e-commerce mainly because it was just so dynamic, and uh, he he grew a real passion for e-commerce when he realised there's quite a lot of affinity between the accounting side of things and the process involved with it, but also the kind of strategic side of e-commerce. And, and so really for the last couple of years, he's been on the front line, scrabbling around in the School of Hard Knocks, really sort of learning and all sorts of uh, fantastic insights. So I'm really pleased to, um, to have him on the show uh, today. And, uh, and also something else we'd love to talk about is that he's, uh, he, uh, he's really passionate about the homeless and he supports a lot of charities in, in the Manchester area. And uh, so I'm gonna probably dive into that a little bit as well, but uh, hey Abe, how are you doing? Hey, yeah, not too bad, Phil, not too bad. Awesome. Thank you so much for carving some time out. Yeah, no problem. No, that's great, that's great. Well, um, so why don't we start then? I mean, we, we talked briefly a bit a bit about what you've been doing to support homelessness in, in Manchester and so on. What, what's, um, tell us a bit more about that. How come, that, how come you're, you're involved in that stuff? Um, I, think, I think when I was younger, I could see a lot of people around me and, and see it myself, kind of how easy it was to get off track to get I guess lost in life without um, having a good support network um, and I think when I before I moved to Manchester um, I did a, a good bit of fundraising uh, you know I was big on you know running a running a half marathon something like that and when I moved to Manchester obviously you see how stark the problem is you know it, it was a lot worse than where I'd lived previously um, and I just wanted to to get involved with it really uh, so I think first thing I did was go up to a guy on the street and say like, well, you know, what charities do you work with? What charities do you think need support? Um, yeah. And from there, that's led to me dealing with multiple charities in, in Manchester and working on a few yeah. really cool, exciting projects to help out. Yeah, yeah. Now that sounds, I mean, it's really encouraging to, to hear that you do that. I mean, it's one of those areas, I think it's got quite a lot of stigmas attached to it a lot of people have got a lot of opinions about it i mean my, my my question for you from from my kind of worldview of it is from from your experience what what are the key drivers as to what actually you know takes a person from you know being in i don't know in a family or, or in a job where it might be to to being on the street what what did you what do you experience in terms of why people are on the streets like why they're homeless well, I mean, they say, you know, a lot of people are only, what, two paychecks away from being homeless. Yeah. And I think yeah. um, with especially maybe a lot of kind of more unskilled jobs where there's a quicker turnaround, um, I think all it takes now is yeah. for someone to lose a job to not 
have that support from the government that I think was there maybe 20 years ago. Mm. Um, that it can happen quite quickly. You know, I, I speak to guys who six months ago had a job, had a flat, were doing well, um, and some, you know, one big thing's gone wrong from them, one thing to another. Six months later, they're on, they're on the streets. Um, yeah. But again, it's very much down to your support network. If you've got uh, a family who will take you in, look after you, uh, help you out, that's one thing. But I think a, a lot of people can't necessarily rely on that. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely an area that is challenging to me hearing hearing what you're saying, because, you know, yeah. I mean, I've been through all sorts of situations where, you know, as a Christian, I'm, I'm, I'm walking on the street and, and I, I know I actively sort of spoke to people quite often. And, and I often felt that, you know, a lot of these people, rightly or wrongly, were, you know, on drugs or all the money that they were going to take off you was just to feed a habit of some kind. So it kind of caused built a bit of a judgment yeah. against it and then yeah. I sort of reverted to like oh I'll do you know meal vouchers or I'll, I'll give food rather than money and stuff so I don't know it's an ongoing challenge for me I think this whole area I mean I think that's very that's very much uh, I mean I wouldn't generally as a rule uh sometimes I don't always stick to my own rule but I, I wouldn't give someone money but um yeah all the guys around me who are local to me I know I know, I know what their favorite snack is you know um, yeah yeah you figure yeah. things like that and really the, yeah. the charities I'm part of the goal of them is to get people yeah. into housing which is right. Got you. The, key, the key thing I'm trying to do uh you know yeah yeah it's not it's not yeah. a great idea just to give them money but you want no. to give them tools and, and help them out yeah. give them some value man you even just stopping and chatting to somebody whether you give them something or not just kind of humanizes yeah again because I think what you say about you know people just walking past the homeless you are you know you get dehumanized if you get mm. a thousand people walk past you a day not yeah. paying any attention to you i think it takes a toll on you as a, as a person yeah no i like that i think there's i think there's certainly from my perspective there's there's an element of fear involved in some way that people just don't want to i don't know don't want to reach out because it's scary in some respects sometimes also um but i like i like the fact that you know it doesn't have to be monetary you don't have to be worried that you've got to keep giving your money there's there's so many other things you can do but oh, i mean absolutely. obviously you know, if any of the guys out there listening and watching, you know, want to get in touch with you about that side of it, obviously we'll have a chance to sort of mention how to get in touch with you later on. But I do, yeah. I do want to bring that into the show just to sort of, you know, bring it up as a topic really. And perhaps we can, we can, you know, do, do some stuff on it in the future and maybe we can, yeah. we can help each other out in that area as well, you know. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, you know, thanks so much for that. I mean, so, so kind of moving on to the, the kind of theme, if you like, for today. Um, we talked earlier about the idea of frictionless e-commerce and it's not something I'm, um, you know, done a lot of research in. I know that as part of your kind of uh, frontline experience and, and, and getting into this new role that you're now in for the last couple of years and making it a success, you've done a lot of research. And so there's quite a lot of great stuff that we're going to talk about around this idea of frictionless commerce. Um, do you want to sort of give us a flavour of what, what it means to you, um, that term? To me, it's looking at your customer journeys from the moment they arrive on the site and how to make things as intuitive, as natural, and as simple as possible for them. You wanna anticipate the objections they might have before they've thought of them. You want to anticipate what products they want before they've looked at them. Um, you know, um, mm. you wanna look at making your conversion paths as short as possible because the decision is so easy for them to make. 
you know and i think i think that's the there's a lot more to it but i think that's the core of it yeah no that makes complete sense so we, we talked about like a perfect scenario what 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 in your mind is the perfect situation in this area well i mean so this is this is just looking at new customers yeah. someone who's never been to your site before uh -huh. uh, for us we do a lot of um google shopping um and so <clears throat> someone will come to your site they will go directly to a product page they've never seen your home page they've never seen your categories they've never seen anything um but the perfect situation would be they they go there they get to your product page the site loads click quickly aesthetically it's good to look at um they're happy with delivery times that you're stating there add it to basket they're happy with your payment methods maybe you offer multiple payment methods you know they want to pay by finance they want to use some of that Klarna. they can they trust you reputationally as a brand to deliver and then they trust you first of all to take their card details um so that would be the perfect scenario straight to a product page add to basket convert mm -hmm. um and that can be done you know that that conversion can happen in three four minutes from first initially knowing about your brand mm -hmm. um, yeah that's amazing and so, yeah. so that's a great scenario so what about what else is going on there outside okay. of that scenario? I mean, and you mentioned so that, the percentage as well of certain people that are doing that. Is that the forty yeah. percent you mentioned? So no, it's well, that's no for for single product and single touch point, it's about twenty five percent of all our orders. Yeah. So um, you've got to separate. You've then got the next step, which is single touch points. So they've just come to your site. They convert whilst they're still on your site for the first time. Mm -hmm. And maybe they looked at multiple products. Um, and I think that's, well, that's where you guys have been really helpful to us is that I spend a lot of time looking at user recordings uh, through third-party softwares. And basically all I'm trying to do is understand where the dead points are on our site, where something stops people from buying do they get to a certain point in the screen and drop off uh, and as much as you can look at that data and analytics just actually watching people navigate can be mm. can be priceless um and i think i was able to see how much people were engaging with the segmentify sliders so someone would come to the site they would they search for um a hugo boss jacket they come to the site and that's not the jacket for them. You want to be able to show them in the slider the alternatives that they want. You don't want them to have to go, oh, I don't like that jacket. I'm going to go to the top, you know, I'm going to go to the top navigation bar. I'm going to look in their categories. I'm going to have to search through a hundred jackets. You want it that one of the one of the six things on the sliders is the perfect jacket for them. Um, to avoid ever needing to go through pages and pages of of information and of products you know uh, and again i think that goes back to what i'm saying about just making it as easy as possible and it also applies to you know your upsells your cross sells if somebody comes to us and buys uh wants to buy a golf putter they go to the golf putter page we then want the category page the the uh the recommendation slider to go oh well if you're buying a golf putter maybe you want to buy a little a little home putting kit so you can practice at home yeah. um so yeah. again you're anticipating the products that they might want before before they've they've even had a chance to think that they want them yeah yeah completely and how, so just out of interest how many SKUs do you have probably about two thousand but we okay. because of growth 
it's growing so quickly. And again, I think that was another reason we're grateful for the sliders is that we uh, we used to do those manually. Um, and the guys, the, the guys and the team, they they know the business through and through. Um, but there are just when you've got so many SKUs and you've got so many new products coming on, it's impossible to keep up on a manual level, I, I think. Or yeah, completely on a manual level. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was getting at. It's like where you've got a lot of SKUs. I was going to say to you, how important is the machine learning, and how do you know, without sounding a bit too obvious in terms of yeah, well, people are buying it. How do you know that the machine learning is working, bulletproof? Put your, you know what I mean. Put your money on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's. The, that's that that can be the tougher part that can be again where you look through your hot jar recordings um obviously segmentify is pretty good for its dashboard for understanding the the conversion rate of people clicking on the sliders to converting yeah um so yeah. i think those conversion rates in the dashboard are a, are a really a, yeah. a key indicator for us um, sure and, and do they, you, they, sorry go on I was going to say they've been quite good because we've been able to see when they're dropping before go through to the guys at Segmentify and say, look, there's there's an issue here. These yeah. aren't getting click through. These aren't getting, you know, the impression rate yeah. is high, but people aren't clicking through them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you guys were able to kind of rejig, I guess, how the algorithm works uh, a couple of times for us. Yeah, yeah. Is that so? Do you, some of that insight you were talking about, do you get that through Trendify or is it purely through the metrics on the dashboard? So, I probably take my data from every possible different source. Uh, so I do use Trendify. Uh, we've actually used Trendify uh, to identify stocking options, uh, stocking issues before where yeah. we can anticipate that something's getting a lot of views and selling a lot that actually we're going to run out of it. Um, equally, it's been good to point out problems on the site because obviously, you know, it says things like here are your most viewed that aren't converting. Uh, for example, one of them, we found out that um, in error, we'd only uploaded one image for the product. Um, yeah. And I think that would have gone amiss otherwise with, with so many product pages. Yeah, yeah, um, no, that's brilliant. So it's sort of flagging up kind of errors and stuff. So that, that idea of rolling up the data to the Trendify reports, you found that useful in terms of just making sure that you're highlighting the best products in the moment, if you like, for Absolutely. And and we're really, I think our timing for getting um, Segmentify worked out really well. So I think we got on board with you guys in uh, March of this year. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a very unfortunate turn of events for a while after that. Um, yeah. But it completely yeah. changed um, our business model in terms of what products we were selling. So yeah. suddenly nobody wanted to buy clothes because nobody was going out and... Um, yeah. And seeing their mates, you know, nobody was going out onto the golf course because everything was closed. But what people were doing was buying huge amounts of golf equipment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was machine learning both with some of our smart bidding campaigns within Google, yeah. uh, but also within the sliders on Segmentify that yeah. picked up on that and capitalized on that, I believe, quicker than a human could have. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I noticed yeah. that the, the sliders on Segmentify changed over the course of 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, and suddenly, we're then promoting at every possible point these products that were converting in insanely well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it led to us 
being very successful over a short period where a lot of people struggled in our industry. That's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's almost sounds like some, it's like a virtuous cycle, you know, like the engine really quickly adapts and picks up what's going on, feeds yeah. the team, team then obviously then puts in place the action at the top of the funnel, and then that virtuous cycle sort of continues. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. We had an inter interesting scenario similar, actually, with um, with Celtic and the same kind of idea that, that they had no idea that, you know, that they'll go and brand anything, you know, beer mats to car mats to whatever and yeah. with, again with a lot of skews thousands of skews there's no way they would they would know that the car mats were flying like literally you know they couldn't get them in quick enough and the machine was yeah. picking that up to the point where they could then act accordingly sort the supply chain out and obviously make a lot of money out of it you know oh, yeah. you know um you mentioned earlier about you know some of the tweaks um i don't know do you know do you, do you recall any of the sort of I wouldn't say advanced, but like more than just taking the widget out of the box and let it do its thing. Can you recall any of the sort of tweaks that you um, analyzed and worked with the team on? So it was understanding um, the breadcrumb of the hierarchy of our categories. So where uh, the it was it was giving the information through Segmentify of the structure of our categories from the top of it. You know, say it could be golf clubs would be the top, and then it could be golf drivers, and yeah. then it could be tailor-made golf drivers and it could be 9.5 degree tailor-made golf drivers right um by breaking up that breadcrumb and understanding it you were then able to give cross cells from one category to another so you're right. able to say if it's within this subcategory yeah. recommend this other category and that's where I, I mentioned about um say getting a putting mat for a golf putter that was where that came in yeah um oh, that's awesome yeah, some of the stuff was beyond my head. Sometimes I just said, "Look, this this needs to happen." Um, yeah, and I don't got, I don't quite get how you guys made it happen, but you did, you know. Yeah, no, uh, that's the brilliant. Thing, yeah, the first thing that happened was um, the sliders loaded, and I said, "Guys, they were just they're, they're just a bit slow." And mm. sure enough, you come back come back the next day, and they were lightning quick. Really? Wow. Yeah. I suppose that, like you say, that's a kind of a benefit of this passion that we have that we've got this in-house team that continue to drive the platform forward and obviously drive it forward with you as well um, i think that was very much the reason we went for segmentify were actually the first company we looked at um yeah. in this field but we went for you guys because we're all crazy brizzy and do you know what using machine learning for product recommendations isn't isn't a strength of a golf retailer um and so we were looking for a team that was going to be collaborative that was going to bring ideas to the table that wasn't just going to give us a piece of software and say like there you go yeah no completely and i mean you know this but this whole idea of us you know being in a monthly running contract driving the revenue contribution uh, yeah. on, a, on, a, on a monthly basis is, is is kind of our whole kind of culture if you like yeah, um, yeah. so it's you know it's great that that it, it kind of it, it kind of works on the front line you know working with guys oh. like yourself what have you um out of the platform obviously there's our four pillars if you like you know the what have you what have you actually deployed at this stage from the platform so currently we are recommendations definitely always going to be the lion's share of yeah. what we've got yeah, push yeah. push yeah push is a slow burner obviously yeah. because we've seen as we're being more customers to the site i think we've probably got about eight thousand people with push notifications enabled wow um i, I like them being utilized more as a win back so yeah. 
they're one that I'm going to be watching the growth for over the next year. But a lot of the campaigns that we want to use on there might be somebody's bought something for you from you. And you actually want to email them in six months. You want to give them a push notification in six months time when the upgrade of that's come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think because of that, that's the one I'm, that's the one I'm going for to see how it progresses. Um, in yeah. terms of email, yeah, we are, well, we're working closely with you guys for yeah. the integration with our ESP. Yeah. Which, yeah. I personally am really, really excited for. Um, yeah, 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 we, we are too. Yeah, and that'll bring a new level of it because, um, yeah. Again, I want those. I want those sliders, those product recommendations that we talked about. You know that that needs to be a win back as an email. You know, there's definitely an opportunity to be plugged there, and I can see where a current ESP and you guys, your technology, can meet to bring something really valuable to the table. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, we're quite excited about that. We appreciate your, your kind of working with us on that. It's that idea, isn't it, of getting the same kind of granular machine learning into the email campaigns as you're getting in, say, the push or the quality of the recommendations that are coming out. Um, I mean, absolutely. And when I talk about earlier about, obviously, mm. you know, looking for that perfect conversion path. Um, yeah. That perfect conversion path is is a is a million different paths for a million different people. Yeah. Um, and by bringing in a lot of hyper personalization into our ESP, we've we've already seen the benefits of it. You know, yeah. a year ago we sort sent out um, we had um, a cart abandonment, which is great, but then we just sent yeah. out um, a newsletter that went to everybody. Yeah. And yeah. We do not work with that model at all anymore. No. Uh, everything's segmented so that if we've got a new brand coming out, it's going to the people who buy that brand. If we've got a sale coming out, mm. it's going to the people we know are more likely to convert when a discount's offered. Yeah. Um, so I think it is, it's just bringing that extra level of personalization that, you know, for me is something I've pushed so much in the business and the guy, you know, everyone's behind it. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm really excited to see what that brings. Yeah, completely. How does the um, segmentation element work, like from your from your side, in terms of those those customer types you you talked about? So it's splitting it up, isn't it? It, it, it can get complicated because first of all, you can split by brand. You know that we know from our data that if somebody's bought um, an Under Armour top, if you send them an email about Under Armour coming out, they're more likely to convert than someone who hasn't. Yeah. Um, you then got to take that further and go, where is it, a price point issue. Um, someone yeah. who buys uh, a set of 1,500 pound irons, uh, yeah. not going to be interested if you've got a sale on for a set of irons for 300 quid. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also the crossover of the brand, which is where it gets tough. We know that if somebody's purchased uh, X brand, they're actually quite likely to buy Y brand. And mm. that again is usually a price point issue. Mm. People who buy premium brands stick to premium brands. People who buy the cheaper brands stick to the stick to the cheaper brands. Yeah. Um, so it's all about understanding those different segments. And I'm also split testing as yeah. much as you can. Um, if you ever think that you've got the perfect combination, the perfect setup with uh, your advertising, with your ESPs, with your messaging website, you're not, 
you're doing something wrong almost. Uh, I don't think it ever ends. No. As, you, as you learn more, you make more changes. Yeah, yeah, um, no, completely. So, you know, when I kept going back, I appreciate I'm talking a little bit naively here, so yeah, apologies, but in terms yeah. of you actually gathering the respective data segments together, where are they put together? Where are they held and how do you then action? How does it look in terms of a, an end-to-end -end process technologically, if you like? So now, luckily, our ESP involves quite a lot of automation that we can set out conditional logic right. um, rules to say um, we want people who've done this action and this and this, and it will provide a list of people on our website who've done that. Yeah. Um, Got it. which has been brilliant because I, uh, I use those lists then for uh, our Facebook campaigns or for observations in our Google ads. Yeah. Um, the other side of it is, is still me just trawling through the data, doing it, doing it as a, quite a manual process. Um, yeah. You know, building a, an RFM model to find out who your most valuable customers are. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so it's, it's a mix, but more and more, we're, I'm wanting to make it so that we can just do it through our ESP uh, and yeah. that, that can just be one centralized thing because I don't want to spend a lot of time no. building these data models myself. Yeah, um, sure, sure. Now that makes sense. And I'm just trying to, so figuring it out from a segmentized point of view and obviously knowing what we're doing, you know, kind of with you in terms of the integration and we're feeding the user profiles at that deep granular level that then can then match the correct machine data to... Yeah the campaign logic that you've created and actually then that cuts you out. You don't have to bother doing all that, um, you know, yeah. behind the scene. So I can understand that's what I was asking you about that because I can see how it takes a lot of weight off you in terms of that yeah. segmentation piece, because we're not actually doing the segmentation. We're feeding quality one-to-one -one profile data into the ESP, which then is firing out that, um, that offline, um, well, would you call that offline acquisition? I mean, that idea of then sending out, you know, the accurate email to the the non-buyer at this stage or whatever it might be, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I think more and more I can see it, you know, my role, uh, I would love to see in two years time, kind of now it's moving towards using machine learning systems, whether it be uh, through our ESP, through Segmentify, through Google Ads, yeah. uh, or through Facebook. Currently, yeah. A lot of it now is feeding information from one source into the other. So I take good data that I've learned from our ESP and I feed it into Google or I feed it into Facebook. Uh, you yeah, know what yeah. the dream is? Yeah. The dream is one day that actually we just we we have those systems all to be fully integrated. That everything's just dynamically updating itself. That uh, and yeah. that I can simply check to make sure everything's going all right and think about what new ideas there could be yeah no completely he create some headspace right we all need that for sure oh, um, absolutely yeah yeah what about um i don't know whether you use search do you use our search tool what do you do in the in that arena uh yeah 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 it's um that was quite cool because we yeah. had a search bar where you click on the search bar at the top of the page and it would take you to a separate search page right um oh really which I, wow. I hated i hated and, and luckily you guys you guys were there to give us the nudge that we redesigned it so it was all on site so we we're able to make it look quite yeah slick um but also and i don't know if you feel this but i always pay attention i spend a 
buy probably too many clothes and you you see how people's the, the kind of results people searches get you so mm. if you search for two words will it bring you a search that just involves one of those words or it, there's all kind of variables that i find that even larger companies their search bars yeah were giving me loads of irrelevant stuff yeah yeah so it was quite nice actually to see the way in which the segmentify search was structured mm. meant that I thought that it, it gave really, really accurate, accurate results. Uh, and again, yes. people wouldn't have to click to view the results and then search through it. It was very often just giving them the product on, on the slider, on the, the search itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We've been doing quite a lot of work in the search domain and, and again, yeah, we welcome your feedback as well on that as we, as we continue to release the features, but, um, We've just brought out a new feature actually, where we've got all my, it's like an auto suggest really, I suppose, when you haven't, you haven't actually started searching for anything yet. So you've gone on and you've clicked into the search bar, but you can then obviously tailor make the personalization of that initial view of the search bar, um, which has been a request from the customers actually. Um, and, and then of course it's driven by the machine learning uh, after that. But um, we've also got lots of plans within the arena of search and merch um, over the sort of you know medium term so it'll be interesting to see you know whether that helps you and your teams you know with the number of SKUs you've got from a category merchandising point of view personalizing that better with the same sort of machine learning as as the recs on the widgets do you know yeah well I mean absolutely and as, as you guys know we we're always um, very keen to be at the front line of whatever whatever new developments you're coming out yeah. with yeah um, so, no, that sounds really cool no, no, cool. Well, we'll, we'll certainly um, get you involved in that for sure. So, and, uh, so this forty-five percent figure, I remember now. You were saying that that that's a kind of an online side of things. There's a whole rough fifty-five percent kind of offline. Is there anything else within that sort of segment, that that large segment, that you haven't talked about already that you'd like to around that side of of things? Sorry, the forty-five or the fifty-five? The fifty-five. <laughs> the fifty-five. Um, yeah, I think that's again. And it's almost going to be predictable what I'm going to say. I think that's the moment that person leaves your site. Yeah. You need to be as hyper-personalized as you can. Yeah. Um, you also need to be as omnipresent as you can. You know, I know that I, I see brands where maybe they just focus on Facebook ads or maybe they just do, um, e you know, email winbacks. Mm. Um, and all I see time and time again is different people respond to different mediums. So you need a consistency in your message in that you're showing them the appropriate product for that person at the right time. So for example, uh, if they've viewed a product but they've not added to cart, you wanna show them good alternatives that are similar to what they're looking at. If they've, but maybe keep it a bit broader, maybe throw in a bit of variation. If they've added to cart but they've not purchased, you wanna make sure that that product added to cart is always at the forefront. But then you wanna show them very, similar products because they've given you a serious indication of their taste yeah. but then to get that out across all those channels i think is the key thing because mm. some people will respond well to an email other mm. people are big facebook scrollers and if you know yeah, if you yeah. show them an ad twice yeah. they're going to keep they're going to keep seeing it and eventually they'll click through to it mm. um yeah but i think no, that yeah yeah, okay. yeah, and again, I think actually your push notifications come come in quite well to that. Um, yeah, are there are there any particular retargeting 
channels that are more successful from your experience? Is it is it very much like you mentioned earlier, different on a brand by brand basis, or what have you found out from that side of things? So for me, I've always been a really big fan of Facebook. Yeah. Um, again, because you can structure your campaigns that you break it down into different ad groups. You've got yeah. uh, an ad group that's just targeting people who've looked at products but not added to basket. And that the target of that is to get them to add it to basket. Yeah. And then they go into the next funnel that says, right, okay, now, now they've moved down here, they've added something to basket, this one is to get them to close. Yeah. Um, which seems counterintuitive to put a, a, a level of your campaign in there that's not actually targeted at people buying, it's just targeted at getting them to add to basket. But yeah. it then so massively increased the number of potential people to advertise to who had added to basket, it worked very effectively. Um, yeah. It got us better, you know, it got us better results. Yeah. Do you think that's linked to the demographic of people that are your customer, or do you think that's a wider? I think that can I, I believe that can work in in a lot of industries, to be fair. Yeah. I don't think that's specific to us. And in in any case, in any, I would actually figure that it would probably be less specific because our target them well, our, our kind of key buyer. Yeah. And quite often be a, a middle-aged older man who might not spend nearly as much time browsing on socials as say yeah. uh, you know an 18 year old so i'd find that people in different sectors actually might have more might get more from this than we do yeah yeah no for sure yeah that's no, really interesting um what about what about uh, peak season what about black friday cyber monday any tips any any big things you're doing to prepare for it um any wisdom around that seasonal bid adjustments uh in your advertising um i think has been a really good one that's worked for us really really well over sale periods before um yeah. what is that so a seasonal bid adjustment is basically where you tell with you with your google advertising you say to it look we're expecting that people are going to convert extra well yeah. uh, and so we don't mind you increasing the bids uh, equally, if you're a fully manual bid campaign, then I would just increase increase your bids. But um, yeah, last time we did that, that worked incredibly well, and yeah. we're really excited now for Q4. We're very much already planning it, speaking to the guys over, getting all our ad assets sorted so that everything's done weeks in advance. Because um, yeah, if you put in what we did last year, and then you actually account for the growth both for our ad revenues and through other channels. Yeah. Then predict what we're going to do in this Q4. Um, it's it's going to be an exciting time for us. You know, it's, it's huge growth. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be a more intense peak than ever, given what's happened? Or what is your thoughts on it around COVID? I do. According to Google's forecasts, yes, it is. Now, this is only in our industry. Uh, it's golf yeah. specific. But when I speak to the guys there and looked at um, their demand and spend models over the past couple of years and then looking where it's at at Q4, it's, for us, it's unprecedented. Um, but I do believe that it, that's going to transfer to all of them because it's been such a, a change in culture of people's buying habits. You've got people who always would have gone into a store right. being forced to go online and what i think is happening is people who were reluctant to it are trying it and realizing that was really good 
that was cheaper, that was way more convenient than I thought. I can get free delivery and free returns. And they're, you know, they're the converted now. They're, they're now e-commerce buyers from now on. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because I've been, I've been looking at lots of sort of company announcements and trading updates from, you know, the likes of ASOS to, you know, obviously pets at home and, uh, and, and uh, you know, what's of Switzerland, Switzerland even, you know, massive uplifts in online revenue. Um, and you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, there was a whole, and people have said to me before, but the penny has really dropped that there are still a, a massive cohort of people that were not comfortable buying online. Or yeah. they might browse online, but they're going into the shop to get their stuff. And actually, you're right. Things like returns would have been a big barrier for someone like myself if I've got I've got to buy an, another pair of boots or something for, for the other half. And they're 100 quid, like. And I'm like, well, it's a big box. It's bulky. And what's going to happen about returns and stuff? I'm going to have to go in and get one, you know. Um, but the yeah. fact that it's made so much easier now does then make you a bit more of an advocate to just give it a go. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I can understand why it's going to be really big this year clearly um for those for those reasons absolutely uh, yeah well yeah I, do, I hope it's a, a massive success for you obviously and everybody out there who's watching and listening right now i hope that you've picked up some cool insights from abe who's been you know furiously you know learning about all this stuff on the front line for the past few years and bringing i think some of the some of the kind of more rigid process and analytical stuff from accounting into this world and I think that's really great that you've been able to do that. Um, just, just to sort of go back to what I was saying at the very beginning about, um, you know, all the great stuff that you're doing in the homeless side of it and also in e-commerce in Scottsdale Golf and so on. If any of the guys want to get hold of you to chat about anything, you know, your experience Segmentify, um, personalization, your strategies, um, the homeless charities that you support and so on, what's the best way for people to get hold of you? It's uh, just my uh, email address. Just catch me at the uh, ab yeah. abrossiter at gmail.com. Cool. That's double S I T E R, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. And just, I know you've given some plenty of tips today, but just one thing uh, to close on anything from your personal life or your work life or anything else that you would consider a bit of a nugget of wisdom that you've picked up in all your, your, your years that you you'd love to share with the, uh, with the guys. Not to put you on the spot. Clearly. I think, I think, I think it's just use your data. There are so many companies yeah. out there especially in the SME range that, you know, I think what's the statistics? 80% of 80% of business data isn't utilized. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And it's, bad. even if you don't know what you're doing, it's worth having a look at. You never know what you're going to find. I can spend, I can spend an hour, an hour and a half looking at spreadsheets, get absolutely nothing from it. Another time you have a look and you just spot something and suddenly that leads to an insight that leads yeah. to an increase in revenue or a huge cost saving. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. yeah. Sounds sounds great. Well, thanks again, Abe. Um, awesome to speak to you. Thanks for carving some time out. And no uh, yeah. No thanks, man. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for for listening and watching. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, it just uh, remains me to finish off by saying, um, if you haven't signed up to the vlog series or the podcast and so on, um, please do um, head over to segmentify.com forward slash egs. And uh, you can catch everything that comes out there. And uh, if you want to get involved or, you know, want us to reach any particular topics um, or you have any questions and so on, just give me a shout anytime at phil at segmentify.com. But uh, yeah, thanks Abe so much again. No worries. Fantastic. And uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you all again very soon.